0: Welcome to From the Stacks at the Oldham County Library. It's been a while since we've had an episode. The podcast has been on hiatus for the summer, but we're looking forward to getting back to a regular schedule with more content such as book reviews, event information, special interviews, and more. Today we have a very special episode for you. The Adult Writers Group that meets at the main library wrote some Halloween flash fiction and poetry. We recorded those and dramatized them for this podcast. We hope you enjoy this special spooky presentation and that you have a happy and safe Halloween.
1: Peer Pressure by Marty Warner. The rocks crunched under their feet as the three boys crept onto old man Mason's property. The streetlight didn't reach this far. It was a good thing, or somebody might have recognized them. Charlie, the smallest and two years younger, followed the other two. Bud was the biggest and always in the lead. His sidekick, Mike, close behind. Mike backed up Bud on everything. They treated Charlie like a little brother most of the time, when they weren't teasing him. Charlie didn't mind. He liked the feeling that he belonged, even though he didn't always agree with him. Bud was going to get back at Mr. Mason for telling him not to come in his store again. It was only a lousy candy bar. Bud had pocketed when he thought no one was looking. Old man Mason would never know who spray-painted on his front porch. When Bud handed Charlie a can of red spray-paint, poor Charlie almost threw up. Mr. Mason had always been so nice to him. A pat on the head and a smile meant a lot to a boy with no dad. Halloween was supposed to be for tricks and treats, not to ruin someone's house. If Charlie had a house like that to live in, he would take the best care in the world of it. His mom and he lived in a tiny apartment. What's the matter, chucklehead? scared? Bud taunted. Mike gave Charlie a shove toward the front steps. He tripped and fell. Ow! The door ripped open and there stood Mr. Mason. What are you doing here, Charlie? And what the devil do you have in your hand? Charlie was alone, alone with a can of red spray paint, deserted by his so-called friends. He wanted to cry, but 12-year-olds didn't do that. Get in here, boy, now! Carrying the can and dragging his feet, he climbed the steps and went through the door to his doom. Sit, Charlie sat. It was hard not to notice how bright and clean and comfortable the room looked, not cold and dark like the apartment. You were going to spray paint on my house? Why would you want to do that? Tell me, boy. A guy didn't tell on his only friends, did he? Now, Charlie i can't tell you mr mason i'm sorry it was that bud kid and his pal you've been hanging with isn't it look charlie i'm no dummy i've seen the way they treat you and i know more than you think about you the boy looked up wide-eyed at the man towering over him but he didn't say anything you owe me kid starting tomorrow after school you are to come to the store and you can start working it off got it Yes, sir. And if I ever see you around those punks again, you will be sorry. Got it? Yes, sir. Now, I'm going to take you home and get your mama's okay. And if it's all right with you, I'm going to ask your mama to have dinner with me soon, is it? With a slowly spreading smile, Charlie croaked, uh, uh, It'd be okay with me, Mr. Mason, sir. Then let's go, son. The evening ended with new beginnings for all.
0: An Evening's Walk by Olivia Harrell The old clock in the town Square rang out the hours, echoing to 12, midnight. Michael walked along the quiet street, pulling his jacket closer as the biting October wind whipped through the openings between buildings. Normally, he wasn't out at this time of night. In fact, normally he had been home for hours, locked away in his room, buried in the safety of his warm blankets. Tonight, however, he had been drawn out on the insistence of some friends who had made him stay much longer than he really would have preferred. They had laughed when he had put down his first, and only, glass of rum and coke. He had never been much of a drinker, calling it a night. What? Are you afraid of the boogeyman, Mick? One friend teased. Micah felt the color warm his cheeks. No, I just have some writing I need to get done tomorrow. He had picked up his coat and scarf then and hurried out the door to avoid more of their teasing. Outside, he stopped and took a deep breath of cold air as he wrapped his scarf around his neck. He glanced back inside the bar through the windows, watching the blurred forms of his friends, distorted by the obscured glass. They would have loved it if he had changed his mind and came back inside, but no. He started to walk, wishing a cab would drive by that he could hail. But of course, the street was empty. Didn't they realize what evils came out in the night? Didn't they care? Micah stopped at the edge of the crosswalk, pausing for the non-existent traffic on Instinct. Maybe they didn't know. He had never heard his friends talk about the old stories his family had shared for years, in jest or otherwise. In years to come, my child, you will only remember me by these stories. A fine tradition it is. He could hear his great-grandmother's words in his mind. Micah closed his eyes and shook his head, trying to banish the stories that had followed those words away. Just the barest thought of some of those stories sent his heart pounding, as it had when he was a child. Maybe that was why, a moment later, he thought he heard footsteps following him. Micah paused again and the footsteps stopped. Was it his own that were echoing? Biting his lip, he picked up his pace. Did his friends really have to pick a bar that had been so far from where he lived? Micah jumped over a large puddle and stopped. No, those were definitely footsteps behind him. Was someone following him? Micah turned, looking to see if he could see anyone on the streets behind him. Empty, save for the gust of wind that blew straight at him, causing him to shiver. Turning, the cool night air caught in his throat. No one was behind him, but there was someone in front of him. The figure was tall, well-built, hair dark under the dim streetlights. Micah could just barely make out the smirk on the figure's lips. It was the eyes, those cold, blue eyes that made Micah take a slow step back. The figure reached out, impossibly quick, grabbing Micah's arm. Easy, mon cher, the voice practically cooed. The accent was thick with New Orleans' influence. It'll be quick. The smirk grew. Oh, Is that a fang? Was his last thought before he knew no more. Darker My Love by Michael Dean My beloved, on streets you carefully trod with an errand of a loved one, but the night is treacherous. Pull thy coat tighter to brace against the howling wind. Suddenly, something cold and black surrounds you. The stench of death assaults thy senses, but you cannot resist. The fleeting moment, moment, however however hypnotic and and exquisite, exquisite, leaves you exhausted, stumbling, Thou continues home, the deep longing and a few trickles of blood upon thy collar. O Mina, what have thy done?
2: It was a dark and stormy night, by Jamie Huff. It was dark and stormy night when I decided to take a drive to my local ice cream shop and pick up a gallon of my favorite ice cream. On the way there, I couldn't help but notice that most of the streetlights were out. I think I went several blocks before I actually saw one that worked. It was strange, but hey, I shrugged it off. When suddenly there was a scream that pierced the night air. I looked around to see if I could investigate what was going on. So I decided to jump out of my car, grab my phone, and have it on speed dial in case things got ugly. Slowly, I made my way to the dark street where the noise came from. I dialed 911, and I put the phone to my ear as it rang. My hope faltered, though, when I heard the voice on the other end. It was a soft, comforting woman's voice, telling me the number I dialed was no longer in service and had been disconnected. In the distance, I could see the glow of other street lights, but one by one, they began to flicker and burst. I kept following the streets to the source of the sound, waiting for something to jump out like a cat in one of those old horror movies. The scream came again. I was closer this time. I followed the street slowly, walking heel to toe to try to make less noise, though my heavy rain boots made a soft squeaking noise. As I rounded the corner, I saw the frightened woman backed against a crumbling brick wall. Her face was in horror as she stared at what almost seemed like some kind of blob with eight... no waving, arm-like appendages, like tentacles on an octopus. I didn't know if it had a face. I couldn't tell from this angle. But the woman had seen She looked at me and screamed, help. Don't just stand there, Do!" And she was cut off as the creature swung one of its appendages. It ripped at her face. There was a look of desperation and shock as the blood began to stain her clothes around her middle. I could only watch in horror as the life began to drain from her body. The creature turned its attention to me, and I remembered once, as a child, someone said never run from a wild animal, just to lay down and play dead. But if I do that, I might actually end up dead myself. I was frozen, and this thing was coming at me. As it approached, I could hear an odd buzzing sound, suddenly as if it was rupturing and hundreds of smaller creatures began to pour from its body. It was disgusting and fascinating all at the same time. The tiny creatures began to sprout tentacles of their own and they spread out amongst the darkness of the street. All I had wanted on this night was some ice cream. So I turned and ran. I had to get away from whatever this was. I fumbled with my phone. I tried using its light to illuminate my path in the suddenly dark street. What had happened to the lights? Had this creature disabled them? And why did my phone show no service? There I was, all alone, being chased by an unknown creature. I could hear the tentacles of the monster following me, slapping the asphalt. There was increasing tempo. There was, this thing had, had gained on me. I had no reason to expect it had any goodwill. I had no reason to expect that I'd be able to outrun them. I ducked onto a side street and ran for the first building I saw. It was a rundown house. I pounded on the door, my urgency growing. Please help me, please let me in. As the door creaked open an older gentleman stood there, he looked horrified. Just then there was a ginormous collision at the front door and I felt something pulling on me. I screamed a blood curdling scream and I snapped awake to the jolt of my dog, Ben, yanking on my pant leg. Looking down at the empty carton of my bacon and onion ice cream, I noticed the credits of a 50s horror movie going off on my television. Thankfully, I will live another day.
0: Thanks for listening to From the Stacks. This episode was produced by Bethany Morse. Peer Pressure was written and read by Marty Warner. An Evening's Walk was written and read by Olivia Harrell. Darker My Love was written by Michael Dean and read by Glenn Jennings. Dark and Stormy Night was written and read by Jamie Hoff. If you would like more information about the Adult Writers Group, please visit www.oldempl.org.